My name is Ricky Day, and this is Nothing to Lose But Yourself. What's going on, everybody? How are you today? I hope you're having an amazing day wherever you are. Once again, my name is Ricky Day, and you are listening to the podcast, Nothing to Lose But Yourself, a little podcast where we talk to a diverse cross-section of folks from our society in an effort to hopefully make a little bit difference here in this world, and maybe, maybe even change the world one conversation at a time. Uh, we are dropping this episode on a Friday, which is a little bit out of the ordinary for us, uh, but um, there's a good reason for it. We want to make sure you have access to this conversation in a timely fashion, and uh, we've got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks, and uh, it just makes sense to put this thing out today and share this with you in our premiere week. Uh, we launched with, of course, that episode uh, with Rashid Newsom, the showrunner of Bel Air, and this was always intended to be a two-part uh, release week, and second part is today. And I'll get into our guest in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to remind you, please, 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 please follow us on social media. It's nothing to lose but yourself on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook. We've got great content coming this season where we are going to include and center you in the conversation and give you some great tips and access to your thoughts and your uh, dreams around hope, healing and love, which, of course, is the season three theme for the podcast. Um, but let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it, shall we? Uh, my guest today on the podcast is Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. He's a candidate for United States Senate in the state or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And we're going to talk today about his campaign, uh, why he's running for Senate. We're also going to talk about his upbringing in Philadelphia, his faith and how it fuels his journey, his recent marriage to his partner, Dr. Matt Miller. There's a lot to unpack. So we're going to dive right in and enjoy this conversation. But before we do that, let me remind you, if you are driving, please keep your hands on the wheel and your eyes pointed forward and just give me your ears so you can kind of listen to the conversation. And if you're at home, your office, wherever you are, just grab that cup of coffee, that glass of wine or that herbal refreshment, whatever it is you do, do it. Make yourself come comfortable, get situated and get ready because we're going to have a dynamic and engaging conversation with Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. My guest today on the podcast is Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. Representative Kenyatta received his B.A. from Temple University, a M.S. from Drexel University, and completed the Harvard Kennedy School's Executives in State and Local Government Program. Uh, he currently serves as vice chair of the Philadelphia delegation and is a member of the governor's task force on suicide prevention and a host of committee leadership positions. As the first uh, openly LGBTQ person of color and one of the youngest members elected to the Pennsylvania General Assembly, he has a deeply committed uh, position on creating an equitable and inclusive society. As a legislator, uh, he has championed proposals to address gov uh, generational poverty, uh, raise the minimum wage, uh, protect workers' rights, increase access to mental health care, common sense measures to address gun violence, and protect our digital infrastructure. 
In 2020, along with a group of other rising stars, he was chosen by then-Vice President Joe Biden to give the keynote address at the Democratic National Convention. He was recently married to Dr. Matthew Miller, and he is currently a candidate for United States Senate in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Please welcome to the podcast, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Ricky. Good to be with you. Good to see you. Uh, Thanks for dropping by today and having this conversation with me. I know how busy it is out there on the campaign trail, uh, but we think it's important to profile and to talk with uh, people who are making important moves in the world that are living their lives authentically and doing what they can to make this world a little better, better place. And you're definitely one of those brothers. Um, First of all, before we dive in, man, congratulations. I haven't seen you or Dr. Matt since you tied the knot. Congratulations. That's right. Highly recommend everybody find the love of your life. And then, and then get married, okay? All right, all right. I'll take that advice. It's easier said than done, but I'll take that advice. Well, we'll tell you, Matt and I met on Instagram, so check your DMs, brother. You got to check those DMs. Might be somebody in there. Uh, but tell, send Dr. Matt my love. And uh, did you imagine, did you ever imagine, man, when you were growing up in Philly as a young boy, that you'd be married, let alone to a same-sex partner, and let alone in the year you're running for U.S. Senate? Did you picture any of this? I could not have. Listen, my bingo card, I would have zero... <laughs> have zero little circles to put on any of the any of the squares because none of this um you know has gone the way that i could have imagined um and i'm incredibly you know grateful to be in this campaign and as you said living authentically and to be talking to you on uh you know uh, trans visibility day because so many of our trans siblings have been under absolute assault and attack from you know bigoted hateful elected officials um, who don't want to solve any problems, um, just want to attack little kids um, and be mean and divisive. But this is why it's so important that people do live authentically, um, that people do um, walk into every space exactly as who they are, because mm-hmm. it allows other people, gives other people permission to do the same. Absolutely. And I think that's why people are trying to shut down and shut out those voices so much because they don't want people to walk authentically. They don't want other people to be inspired to stand up for who they are and for their rights. And uh, we that's really a, appreciate That is exactly you. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And in Florida, uh, Ricky, that's exactly what the sponsor of the Don't Say Gay Bill said. Exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. It's 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 sad, but we'll we'll dive in. So tell me a little bit about. I like to set this thing up, man, and let people know a little bit about who the person is. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what it was like growing up in Philadelphia. Yeah, so you know, third generation to to North Philadelphia. Um, really, you know, grateful now as a state representative, be able to represent the neighborhood that I was born and raised in. If folks know Temple University, then they know the heart of. Of, of my district and they know, um, you know, the community that, that formed me. Um, you know, I grew up in a working poor family. My dad was a social worker. My mom was a home health care aide. And I always joked that they were like the best people in the world. They just didn't like each other. Ricky. <laughs> so, you know, so what that meant for me is, you know, they separated when I was pretty young. Um, me and my siblings who they adopted, you know, lived six different places by the time we graduated high school. They're all older than me um and i got my first job at 12 washing dishes at this little vegan soul food restaurant um which if you know if they had held on for another decade man this would be their moment absolutely I think there's a real market for that right now um but it has been a real you know 
incredible opportunity to go to Harrisburg and hopefully to Washington and fight for the people who I love best, fight for the people who get up every single day like my mom did, who worked with folks who had really significant physical limitations, mental health challenges, and then would have to come home and ration her insulin. Mm-hmm. Or then have to make the difficult choice of, am I going to help you do the homework? Or am I going to go work an extra shift to make sure you have lights to do the homework under? That are Those are some of the unfortunate choices that working families are being forced to make every single day. And, you know, it's been the mission of me in this campaign um, and in my job right now to try to make sure we're shifting outcomes for working families. Yeah. You know, I I would think and assume that it's fair to say that those experiences, watching your mom live that way and dealing with some of those things, really kind of shaped who you are at your core as a public servant and what you're fighting for? You know, 100%. 100%, I think that if we're going to have a government that is able to actually, I mean, truly deliver on the fullness of the American promise, make what I call America's basic bargain real, you have to have a government that reflects the fullness of the American experience. And unfortunately, particularly for roles like the U.S. Senate, we have had to make the choice of, you know, who's the least worst millionaire, right? And let's be for that guy or gal. Um, in this instance, we have a chance to actually elect a working person. And I'm going to be bringing every single experience that I've had um, to that role. Very cool, man. You know, now you come from a pretty religious background, as I read. Um, and I read that you were ordained to preach and lead services at 13 years old. First of all, is that yeah, true? Uh, yeah. And that must have been an no, interesting journey true. for you. You know, and I guess it was 14. It might have been 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have been 14. Um, but no, completely, completely true, man. I was in church multiple times a week, 90 services on Sunday, right? Or however many there were. <laughs> and, um, you know, my faith continues to, 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 to guide me and to, and to shape me because the things that I'm fighting for, mm-hmm. that basic bargain, is at its core what Jesus's message was about, about helping the least of these, about standing up for those who are cast aside and forgotten, um, about calling out um, government for its largesse and its lack of focus on people who need services the most. That is what we should be doing. And it's so interesting seeing a lot of people going back to our initial, you know, conversation about little kids who are being attacked and everything else, that a lot of people use the Bible as a weapon mm-hmm. um, to justify their hatred and their homophobia when that's the exact antithesis of God's message, yeah. which was of love and inclusiveness. Absolutely. And you've felt, unfortunately, a little bit of that. I read the story about your mom and, and her kind of bringing you out of the, the closet at a young age when she asked you the question. Nope. Can you kind of unpack a little bit, not to really sit in that for too long, but just kind of unpack what that impact was on you at that moment. But then she turned around and became one of the people that encouraged you to go into public service. Talk to me a little bit more about that journey and that relationship, because it's an important one. And then also your grandfather. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, 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 it is. You know, my grandfather, Muhammad Kenyatta, was a civil rights activist, very involved. And um, my grandmother's wife is still with us, thank God. And she said something to me, and I tell this story often. Um, she called me in 2019, and she's the toughest lady I know. So I can't imagine, 
you know, she was calling me tears in her eyes. And I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? And, she's crying. and she said, no, baby, I just saw you on the house floor. I forget what I was talking about. She said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry because I thought we had fixed some of that stuff. And I refuse to have to have that conversation with my kids or grandkids. We can actually fix some of these systemic issues once and for all and deliver for people who need us to deliver. We can actually do that. I believe that we can. My mom, like many religious folks, particularly, you know, in 2006, 2006 when, when, when this happened, um, was not supportive of this idea that her, her son was, was gay. Um, had a, a lot of questions, didn't understand it, um, and reacted, you know, when I was frankly outed um, in a very negative way. I had come home from, from Bible study and a friend of my mom's had told her, uh, I think your son is gay. <laughs> and I came home from, from church and she opened the door and she's like, are you gay? And I was like, um, yeah. Yeah, like, do you like it? And she was like, no, I do not like it. Get out. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, I'm leaving. And she was like, where are you going? You can't leave. And I'm like, this is what what's going on. Um, and so anyway, it you know it impacted our relationship very negatively for a number of years. Um, but what I know is that love is a powerful thing, mm-hmm. and it allows you to reconsider some of what you've been told you have to believe. And she had been told from many people, um, you know, and had told other people, I'm sure, um, that somehow folks who are in the LGBTQI plus community are less than, that, you know, my options in life would be more limited, um, that I was putting myself in harm's way simply Mm -hmm. by acknowledging who I was. As painful as that moment is, I'm always so grateful because I don't know if I would have come out otherwise, just being honest. I don't know. Because there's not a lot of incentive to do so. Yeah. But I'm grateful because it changed the entire trajectory of my life. And now I can be married to the person I love um, and not some, you know, I'm sure an amazing woman who I was not being honest with about who I was and about what that would have meant. Um, for, for, for our family. And so, you know, I'm really lucky that before she passed, we got to a much better place that, you know, she loved Dr. Matt. Um, and, um, you know, it was tough not having her at, uh, at the wedding, but certainly, you know, felt her presence um, and, uh, you know, continue to try to make her proud. Yeah. Thank you so much, man, for being so honest and forthright in that answer. And I asked the question not for, you know, shock value, but I think people forget that each of us goes through this life uh, being wounded by traumatic experiences out of our control. And the season, this season of the podcast, our theme is hope, healing and, and love, because I think all of those things are necessary to build the kind of world we want to build. Especially right now, Ricky. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really interested in your thoughts about, you know, what role, if any, uh, that you believe hope healing and love play in saving our democracy and making government work in the mm-hmm. lives of people and making our society more holistically healthy. What, what do you think the role is for hope, healing and love and, and forming policy? Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that theme and that framing um, for this season of your, of your podcast. 
because we need all of those things right now and all those things are deeply intertwined listen i don't believe you can help lead people you don't love Mm -hmm. and i love pennsylvania so much and that love grounds me in a type of irrevocable hope for our promise and our possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we can move in a direction where we make the values of this country more real for every single Pennsylvanian, for every single American, and that we can heal um, some of the things that have been used to divide us. You know, when I got into this campaign, I had so many people say to me, well, Malcolm, you'll do fine in Philadelphia and the suburbs, but uh, don't go to this town or don't go to this community. Um, It's so scary. And, you know, uh, they're going to be racist and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, how offensive is that? Right. To say that simply because somebody was born in a small town, that they are the cause of all the problem. And I go to some of those small towns and they say things about Philadelphia. And I say, how offensive is that to think that because somebody's born in a city that they, you know, are the problem for everything. The reality is the only way we're going to get from where we are to where we need to go is if we go together. Mm -hmm. Can't go by ourselves. We have to go together. And that's why I've been about building a coalition that is big and diverse. And I think my distinctions as somebody who fits into a variety of different communities helps me understand that we are more combined than we think, that we are more united than we think. Because I've had the chance to you know, be in rooms just with black folks or just with queer folks or just with whoever, and we're all asking for the same things. How can we have good health care, safe communities, um, and some level of dignity in the work that we do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you say you love Pennsylvania, I know it. I, you know, spend time, full disclosure, you guys, we uh, did a photo shoot and I shot him for Essence Magazine and I spent time with him I and know, Dr. I pictures are so nice. Yes, thank you. I uh, spent time with you and Dr. Matt and I saw your love for your community. I saw your love for Pennsylvania. And I, I just want to make clear for people and I want you to make clear for people that when you say you love Pennsylvania, that means you love all of Pennsylvania, red, blue, white, black, poor, rich, all of Pennsylvania. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. And, you know, we are one of just three commonwealths in the, in the union. Mm-hmm. I take that very seriously. And obviously we're the best one. Okay. Kentucky and Virginia, <laughs> Pennsylvania, we're the best one. Um, <laughs> but, but that's not just, that's not a distinction without a difference. That ought to be a real difference. Mm-hmm. We ought to be a place where we are actually advancing policies that's about the common good um, and about the common humanity of all of our people. And that's not only the, you know, what I want to model, but it's what I want to do. It's why I've, you know, talked about passing the PRO Act so workers can unionize on the job, making it um, easier for, um, you know, people to have a dignified wage by making sure the floor is $15, um, doing things like investing in our schools, quadrupling Title I funding, making mental health a priority in every building, um, and the list goes on and on and on. All of those policies are about the love of humanity, the love of my neighbor, and wanting to make sure that people have a life 
where they can actually pursue their happiness. Mm-hmm. Live up to the ideals written in our founding documents. Um, Malcolm, you know, I don't know that we get to where we want to get without getting past this next question, which is how do we as a society, as individuals, and certainly as a political um, uh, parties, how do we move past us and them, this othering that we keep doing? That's really what's dividing us. We are one country, and indeed we're one species, human beings. How do, do you have any sense, and I know it's a huge issue in question, but mm-hmm. how do we move past that, man? How do we move past that in our politics so that we can, you know, yeah, we may have differences of opinion about where we want to get to or how we want to get there, but how do we move past this othering, this us versus them? Understanding that and believing that, I think, is at the source of many of our issues right now. What's your point of view on that? You know what? It's not just a, um, it's not an answer that's going to be found, I think, just in politics. Mm-hmm. The us versus them, that narrative and that reality is built in all the little small ways, all the little small moments in our communities and how we congregate and where we go and the media we digest and on and on and on and on. But as it relates to our politics, my approach has been this, to fight just as hard on the stuff we agree on as we do on the stuff we disagree on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people are giving up on government's ability to deliver on anything. I think people are losing faith that government can deliver. And a part of what I think would help to heal that is why don't we at least do the shit we agree on? I mean, we can just take a couple, you know, take all the things, see where we agree, okay, put it in a little plastic bag in the well of the center, shake up the bag, pull out whatever (laughs) whatever one comes out, and like pass the damn things that we agree on. I mean, who is okay with insulin costing the average diabetic $2,000 a year? Yeah. I mean, who's who's fine with that? My mother takes Let's, insulin, so I know that well. It's painful. You you know it. You know it. And she knows it. And she knows how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. Mama Day listening right now. Like, yeah, Malcolm, that shit feels expensive. <laughs> and so that's not a Democratic issue. Shouldn't be. It's not a Republican issue. Shouldn't be. It should just be something that we can all agree that we can get accomplished. And my, I believe in small victories. I believe in getting a little thing done that can create the conditions for you to get something bigger done. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that we do things that help the broadest amount of people in the shortest amount of time. But I don't think we can measure our unity or measure bipartisan accomplishment by what politicians do. Because politicians have different metrics and different, you know, considerations. The American Rescue Plan, one of the most popular pieces of legislation in American history, was not supported by a single Republican, Mm -hmm. by a single Republican. But it was supported by 82 percent, I believe at its height, of Americans. So should we not pass it because the Republican members of Congress won't vote for it? Or should we pass it because a number of, you know, Republicans in Pennsylvania and all across the country support it? I think bipartisanship has to be measured by people, not by politicians. 
It absolutely does. And I think also at the core of many of these issues is gerrymandering, too, because if you're sitting in districts that are structured for you to do nothing but cater to the 80 percent people in your party that sit in that district with you, then you're never going to compromise. There's no incentive to compromise. But if these districts are more. It's actually a disincentive. Yeah. But if these districts are 50 50 across the board, all of a sudden people start working together because they realize you've got to show results for the common good in order to move forward, man. I know you're on a tight time schedule. I want to wrap it up with a couple of final questions that I think are important for people to understand. Who, you know, would you say at the core is the Malcolm Kenyatta that people need to know? And what about you do you think voters may not know at this point that they should know about who you are as a human being and a public servant? Well, I appreciate you asking that. Um, you know, I, I try my best to, to, to be an open book. Um, because, you know, I'll never forget this story. And this is this is a story that plays in my head. When I decided to run for state rep, I had somebody who, mind you, Ricky, is a supporter of mine. OK, so it's not an opponent. This was a supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my launch video. And in the video, I just mentioned that, like, I'm gay. Right? It wasn't the focus of the video. I just, like, mentioned it literally in passing. And I didn't even think anything about it. Right. Like, it just was like, duh. And that person says to me, oh, this is such a nice, like, draft of the video. I was like, oh, no, that's the final video. They were like, but you're going to take out the part about being gay, right? I was like, no. They were like, oh, well, you're going to (laughs) lose. And that was one of those moments, right, those fork in the road moments where if I had listened to them and taken that out and diminished a part of me that is frankly very normal Mm -hmm. and then I think I would have made a decision that does not afford me the ability to be who I am once I want so my job has been to run exactly as I am and I will win, lose or draw based on running as I am, running as who I am. So people know what I'm going to fight for when I win. I'm not going to contrive a a caricature version of myself. I'm just Malcolm. You like it, hate it, whatever. I'm me. And my approach is to be laser focused on who I'm fighting for, what I'm fighting for, and then hopefully come back to people with results that I've delivered based on doing what I told them I was going to do. I think people are just so sick, politicians that are full of it. Um, And I've made it my business to not do that. Because once you start lying, you got to keep track of the lie you told before. And how did I show up in this place? I'm just me everywhere I go. And, um, you know, so far it's worked out. (laughs) We're going to find out. You know, I think dreaming is a critical, critical role uh, in, in building the world that we want. Uh, I think uh, the oppressive society and oppressive in terms of systemic racism or oppressive in terms of capitalism, forcing everybody to work so hard and so much that they don't have time to relax or to dream uh, does us all a disservice. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, 
Yeah, Dr. Sean Genright, who I really respect, wrote this wonderful book called The Four Pivots, which I think you should read, brother. It's good for people that are running for office and people that are activists. It really makes sure that you better have an audio book. I don't know how I'm going to get it. They've got one. And it it makes sure that you're healthy, that you're taking care of yourself, because so many times our public servants are so focused on the problems that they forget to vision cast. They forget to dream. They forget to lean into their own healing and healing their woundedness. And so I want to leave you with this question, which many people in poor economic situations have a hard time answering, but I hope that you can answer it well. Um, If you had a magic napkin, and on that magic napkin you could write three things that would come true ten years from now, what would those three things be? What are you dreaming of that you would like to see come true ten years from now? I I love that that, that framing. Um, The first would be, I would love for our kids to never have a moment where they don't know they are special and perfect just as they are because broken kids grow up to be broken adults mm-hmm. and we have a lot of broken adults who are around cutting everybody up because they're chipped and scarred and I think it's true that hurt people hurt people Absolutely. and I don't know when that moment is where we stop protecting that innocence in our kids but I would love for them to be able to hang on um, to that The second thing would be that we flip the script on who is valuable in our society. And I mean this from the economic perspective. Mm -hmm. The idea that the CEO is the most important person in a company boggles my mind because there is no company without the workers. The workers are the damn company. Mm -hmm. And so I think centering workers as the most important part of our society uh, is something that we love to see. And then finally, it would be that people can experience ease. Mm, Okay. So many families every day is a struggle and we have glamorized struggle in a way that is very frustrating to me. You know, sometimes I tell my story and people say, oh, well, isn't that so great? You survived. Like, no, my story is no. awful. I would rather have both of my parents alive and at my wedding than being able to talk about them, you know, in a, in a, in a speech. I would rather, you know, my mom had been, you know, paid with a level of respect and be able to highlight, use her as an example of, of people who deserve to be paid more. And I think so often working families, poor folks, black folks, marginalized people in this country, there's never a moment where you can fully relax. Mm-hmm. And I really wish that for people. I wish that as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Malcolm Kenyatta, state representative from Pennsylvania and candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, we wish you well. We wish our democracy well. And uh, each and every one of you, yourself and all your other, um, uh, even your even your competition. I want you all to save our democracy. For let's start there, please, because it's definitely on life support. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good Thank luck on you, the campaign trail. Be well. Yes, take care of yourself and don't tell somebody you love them. Okay. I will. You do the same. All right. Bye. Bye. Malcolm Kenyatta, he's a living, breathing example of the power of living life authentically, 
of using one's gifts to serve others, and of being an advocate for those unable to stand for themselves. Malcolm's story is also a reminder of the fact that the journey to justice and equality is a marathon, not a sprint. His story is a reminder of the power of our elders and our ancestors, the power that they have to inspire in each of us to pick up that torch, to carry it with pride, and to finish the race. Regardless of political affiliation or how we identify sexually or in terms of gender or even of our race, we are all human beings. That is, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and on our best days, we can be and we should be true to who we are. The physical manifestation of the very idea of God, namely, we should be love. Regardless of the outcome of the election, I wish Malcolm well as an advocate for access, a warrior for justice, and hope that he continues to use his faith as the compass guiding him on his life's journey. We all have a duty to participate in our democracy by voting and doing what we can to ensure that our elections remain free and fair and that we hold all of our elected officials accountable so that someday we may fully live up to the promises in the Constitution and answer our divine call to literally be love. Each of y'all listening, wherever you live, what state you live in, I don't care about your political affiliation. I just care that you support our democracy by participating in it as a voter, that you register to vote. You actually go out and vote. And most importantly, come on, y'all, fight for free and fair elections. Let us as a group, let us as a big American family come together and figure out the best ways forward. We can bridge the gap. We can come together on these differences because not one thing that is absolutely true. It's a cliched saying, but it's absolutely true. United we stand. Divided we fall. And if we remain divided, we're going to learn how great that fall can be. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and conversation, and I hope you are having an amazing day. Please, please, please go out and vote. Support the candidates and the issues that you care about. And don't forget, your neighbor is not your enemy. That person on the other side of the political spectrum is not your enemy. They are another human being. They are an American. They are a man, a woman, a transgender person. They are someone who has rights and fears and concerns and love just like you do. Return to your consciousness the idea that you are human and that others are human too. If we can recognize each other's humanity and walk in that and live in that and see that and celebrate that, we can and we will come together. All right. So listen, once again, please follow us on social media. It's nothing to lose but yourself on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. I am Ricky Day. I encourage you to share this conversation and share this podcast with all all the folks in your life and together you guys together i know we can do this we can make a difference and we can change this world one conversation at a time have a great weekend a great week a great year and keep on living keep on loving i'm ricky day be well i love you